So welcome everybody to Four Right Radio. I am the host, Bradley Lawrence, and I am here with a special guest. It is Casey Ward from Credit Valley Golf and Country Club. Unfortunately, I called, um, when you think of pressure mapping in the world of pressure mapping, you think of two people. You think of Mark Blackburn and Sasha McKenzie. They both have blocked me on Facebook and will not return my calls. So I went to the next best thing. I found Casey Ward, who is a body track performance advisory enhancement and something. She'll explain what she is. She's got a PhD in something. She's a pretty smart person, and she's the only person agreed to be on this with me. So, Casey Ward, welcome to the podcast. You can share us a little bit about your story here. You see you went to the University of Florida from your phone case, so let's, let's start with who Casey Ward is. <laughs> First of all, um, some of the details were just a little bit off, but that's, that's okay, and I feel really uh, honored to be on the podcast considering that I'm kind of like last on the, the block, but thank you. You were ahead of Terry Hashimoto and Mike Taylor, the former TaylorMade rep, just to let you know, but I couldn't get them either. <laughs> Great. Uh, okay, well, I am uh, currently a PG of Canada member, uh, uh, teaching professional at Credit Valley. Uh, started out as a competitive amateur golfer, uh, played at Queen's University and did a degree in kinesiology there. And I kind of got interested in the world of biomechanics while I was at Queen's and uh, started looking into master's programs and eventually wound up at uh, Cal State Fullerton, just outside of LA, working with Dr. Scott Lynn. And they've got one of the best uh, biomechanics labs set up for golf probably in the world there. So we did lots of research and uh, then worked my way over into the teaching and coaching side. Interesting. So you didn't just do golf, right? You did, I remember you telling me you did um, running. Yep. Looked at all different, uh, all different aspects of sport and performance uh, at Fullerton. Uh, lots of the guys that I worked with, they were into running, track, a lot of performance uh, enhancement and injury prevention those were kind of like our our two main things golf was a huge part of it though and that was um, my biggest focus gotcha so why why uh states just out of curiosity i don't know much about master's programs i i myself barely graduated college and ended up with two scholarships it's a different podcast altogether so why the states versus i don't know master or mcgill i don't know what the other schools in canada would be but right um not many places in Canada were doing any golf-related research or had a setup for it. I just kind of was happenstance that uh, Scotland was also a graduate of Queen's, uh, a few other circumstances that... Scotland's like, Canadian? Yeah, he's Canadian and has ties to Picton, like I do. Uh, so we got kind of connected, seemed like a really good setup out there. Uh, other than Penn State, it's probably... State and then Texas Women's, uh, where Dr. Kwong is. What's Texas Women? Texas Women's University? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Never heard of it. Yeah, so there's maybe like three centers in the U.S. that have, or that are doing golf. a lot of golf biomechanics. Golf specifically, but there's lots that do, like, can you take biomechanics, a master's, and what is your degree? Let's ask that question. It's a master's in kinesiology with a specialization in biomechanics. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. So tell us where Picton is. That's uh... Picton is a, it's a happening little spot, Prince Edward County. It's on the way to Kingston. Uh, 
is the best I can describe. But it's getting pretty popular, and Pictonians aren't really thrilled about that. Just define popular. Like, what's the population of Picton? I think it's um, maybe 7,000. <laughs> I probably know like 4,000 of those at least. And so you're the biggest thing to come out of Picton since uh, Scott McLeod, and he's not even from there. He's not. But he's from the East. He's from Kingston. It's close enough. It's like Brockville's the same thing, pretty much. So let's yes, get... Sort of. <laughs> yeah. um, what were you talking about? I had a list of things to talk about I never remember. So you're with Body Track. Explain to my listeners, because the most of these people listen to this are either golf pros or parents or people who miraculously found me from Malaysia at one point in time. My old stats used to say... I had my number two country when I had this before was actually, I think it was Singapore for some reason. And how many people were listening from Singapore? Oh, it was 10. But it was number two <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but no, sorry, it was number three because the U.S. had a bunch because of Facebook. And in Canada, was a bunch because of local people. And then those like all everywhere else. So what is pressure mapping? For those who don't know, explain what pressure mapping is really to golf. Yeah, so uh, the body track map, uh, it, uh, it measures the pressure that you're putting into the ground. So it's kind of measuring what is happening at the ground level, and it shows your center of pressure, which is the place where the average location of force, if we're getting like technical, is. So basically, when you feel pressure in your feet, sometimes you feel it in your toes, sometimes you feel it in your heels, it tells you exactly where that pressure is located. Um, so when you're talking in, about the golf swing, as you take it back, as you take the club back in your backswing, you'll see the pressure generally, let's say in a better player, it's always going to move to the trail foot. So you can think about, some people use weight and pressure interspersed. I think it's getting better because they're two different things, but sometimes you'll hear shift your weight to your back foot, which generally is actually shift your pressure so it will show you where you're putting that force into the ground and how it moves through the entire movement so let's explain you said like people say shift your weight not shift your pressure so explain what is the difference i know blackburn and satchel used to say it, it is like you see pressure or you see weight you feel pressure I think was the yeah exactly so for the average person do they actually move their weight to their back foot or can you not measure that yet um, you could, so it would be like your center of mass, um, that changes as you move around, um, body, and that can be... Does body track measure that, or can no. you measure center of pressure? Yeah, center of mass is, it's like an, it's kind of an imaginary spot, um, and if you were standing up straight, just, just standing kind of in, uh, you know, an anaconda anatomical position, which is just straight up and down. It would be somewhere around your, about a little higher than your belly button. Mm -hmm. You know, for the average person, let's say. Does that change for people? <laughs> it could. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, maybe you have a really big butt or something and like it but makes Like a pregnant woman, would it change lower because yeah, it could. thinking that loud here? Or someone, like my daughter's got a massive head and goes up? <laughs> yep. And when people lose their balance, is that because the center of mass is... If, if you lose your balance, it's generally that your center of mass has gone outside of your... It's called, like, your base of support. So if I were to say your daughter with her big head moves her head way over to the right outside of where she's standing 
she might topple over. Gotcha. But yeah. it's a long way. Like you're talking long way outside your is it outside your feet kind of thing? Or is yep. It? yep. Gotcha. So I have to ask questions that came to me now, which like we'll call it a Doug Laurie moment of random thoughts. Why do people when they start to slip always put their head forward? You watch someone on ice, they stand on ice, they always lean forward. Chris Lewis brought this up to me and he made a good point. If you're walking on ice, generally you're gonna to kinda of tilt forward, make your head go forward, so it makes your center of mass I guess it's not up and down wise, but it's more forward, so your resistance is falling backwards. Is that uh, kind of the idea? I would think that they're maybe trying to get a little bit lower to the ground. Okay. I don't And like move that center of mass, hopefully get it a bit lower to the ground. If you think like say I'm gonna go back to your daughter. If your daughter is like really thin with a huge head, it might yeah. be hard for her to kind of balance yeah. versus if her head was lower. Yeah. That center mass is, is lower and will help her balance. Gotcha. It's interesting. Like you always see people. I always think because you're gonna slip, you slip backwards, right? So you put your head forward to kind of counteract that and save yourself. So that's my guess. I don't know. I'm asking the expert here. Um, so what is the difference between? pressure like your body track is a pressure mat right yeah so it measures the center pressure it'll give you the average location so it just gives you one single location and it'll give you with both of your feet so the pressure how it moves within your feet so if it goes to the outside to the inside to the toes to the heels so that's the white line right the trace yeah that's the average so there's a, yeah, an average center pressure, which is a trace, which people sometimes will talk about. Maybe it's linear or maybe the fish hook or the Z-trace. Fish hook, Z-trace. Those are just kind of terms to try to describe what the trace is. Now, is there ones that are, like, is there a, a force plate measures not the average, but measures them all, or is that different? Like, is there something, like you said, it measures the average. Oh. Is there one that measures toe and heel at the same time to say? Yep. Body track does it shows you the average location is that what the graph is that orange line in the graph uh the orange line or it doesn't matter what color it, it is, might the be graph, it, shows, it shows um they yeah. give you a graph of the displacement which is if it's going to your heels or your yeah. toes um it, i can't remember just right and left um it also shows you how fast that displacement is moving yeah which has always confused me. I don't know about yourself, but when I got into the world of 3D, graphs were just like... Graphs and, are hard to interpret. Me and Chase from MySpace used to make fun of other people who used to love graphs. But they were always confused to us. To the average, as we refer to me as the dumb golf world, graphs were confusing. Body tracks, pretty easy to understand. Trace is the graph. Yeah, and for your for most uh, golf pros, they're probably not going to look at the graphs very much. No. Um, Body track, the one cool thing that now they measure the vertical force that you're putting into the ground. So basically how hard you're pushing down to the ground and then how in response the ground will push back on you. Um, so if you jump and you land, your vertical force goes shooting up. Um, when you jump or when you land? When you land. Uh, when it, whenever you push into the ground. So when you land and also when you're going... Also oh, when you push it off the ground, it shoots up. And then when you land, it shoots up because you push by because you, the ground. Because you, yeah, land the ground. I was thinking it would be the opposite. of going downwards because you're landing on the ground, but that makes no sense because you put 
you know, the ground's, I guess on a trampoline would be the opposite, wouldn't it? Because the ground's actually going underneath. The ground's going to give out on a trampoline. So I mean, what the if The force you... is going to, it's probably going to dissipate the force. Yeah, so let the graph go downwards because there's no vertical force. It's actually the opposite because the trampoline's moving down. I think you would still see some, because you're hitting the surface, it would just be like less, less force moving to Gotcha. That's, that's my question of the day. I thought that was actually really interesting to try. Yeah, we could definitely. I get the trampoline here, could, in here at Credit yeah, Valley we'll for the dunk contest. And we'll throw the body track on there. That's that's a good it, one. As I jump off to do the dunk, what measures force wise. So I gotta ask you know, you've done more than just pressure mapping. But before we go to the next thing, so explain how pressure mapping helps the average golfer. Yeah. Body track does biofeedback, so yeah, how can it help Joe, um, Don Shabib, you know, 15 handicap, maybe higher than that, <laughs> average golfer, how does it help them? It's, uh, it's really valuable because you can't, <laughs> you can't see pressure, you can't see force, just as you were saying. Um, and despite what some people think they're feeling, it might be, it could be the complete opposite. Um, you know, a lot of, just something as simple as in the setup. Are you set up in your heels, uh, with the pressure towards your heels? Are you set up towards your toes? You wanna to be centered. So kinda of like 50-50 between right and left, probably, and 50-50 between heels and toes. So. Um, you know, it's just like an awareness often, and it can be, it just it qu it, uh, quantifies change, or it quantifies what you're doing, which is which And then is quite it quantifies common. change when you're teaching a lesson. Yeah, you can see it, yeah. and they can see it. So the biofeedback aspect of it is really um, valuable, especially, you know, if I'm like, well, for everybody, but juniors, you put something visual in front of a kid, and they, they kind of fall in love game. with it. Yeah. yeah, it's technology and it's kind of cool and it responds to what you're doing. So it's a great way to teach juniors. Um, I yeah. found the same thing with my swing. You put a anyone in the suit and they come to the avatar, like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, with Body Track, when I had one, and I had it working with V1, which I wasn't a big fan of it, but it was cool that you could sit it there on the iPad stand, not the guy seeing, oh my god, my pressure's on my front foot. The more I do this, the more it goes on my front foot. Well, yes, because you don't know but they could pick it up immediately. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just don't realize what is happening, you know, and um, and it's amazing. It's giving them an awareness of, oh, okay, my pressure is like way out on my toes. Yeah. That doesn't really seem like it's the most powerful position to work off of. It's like... Now, how many people think it is? Because when you jump, you jump off your toes, right? So people think, I'm on my toes, I gotta be on my toes more to get more vertical force. They watch Bubba, they watch Justin Thomas, and they think, hey, look, if I can do Depends a bit on when it's happening. Yeah. Obviously. Good point. So explain <laughs> when, it, when should it happen, when shouldn't it happen? Um, I mean, I'm, I, as you know, am a golfer who fights early extension, so I'm out on my toes a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that it's going, so the pressure just kind of like shoots out onto my my trail toes um, in my downswing, which isn't ideal. It's not necessarily helping me to rotate as well as I should. Um, 
if you think about doing like a 180 jump or 360 jump, you'll see that as you go back, in order to rotate, what has to happen is that a course has to, like a vertical course would have to point, one way points kind of forward and one points back. Yeah. I wish there was a video so that I could show what my thumbs are doing. Um, but if you were to do, try to do your biggest 360 jump, you would have to put pressure in one toe and pressure in one heel, and that's going to rotate you. Yep. And then you're going to have to flip it to rotate the other way. So it's the same thing in your golf swing um, to create rotation. That's scientifically what has to happen. Makes sense, but now you have to be physically capable of doing that too, right? Yeah, that's true. So not everybody can do that, in which case, you know, you've got to make changes. Yeah. I, I promised 52 episodes of this podcast, so that's a different one altogether of physical limitations in golf swings, because that's it's a whole other can of worms we could talk for hours on that, and I'm sure you guys have many opinions as I do on what you see out there in instruction land that people just can't physically do what people want them to do. Yeah. So before you leave the topic of pressure, we're going to talk a little bit about other parts of 3D. I have to ask the most important question I think I've ever asked you before. So my vertical steam tend to spike on putts. Oh, when I have like a six footer, I tend to get like vertical pressure trace when I'm your gone in Florida last, I took out your body track mat and like my vertical trace, my trace was kind of Z trace on a, on a six footer and it tended to quite fish hook and jump through impact on a, on a six to 10 foot putt. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about like what should happen, how much vertical thrust you should in- include in a putt and so on and so forth? I've never seen your putting stroke, but I would just absolutely love to see that. I can't imagine what it looks like. It's, it's, I'm a good putter. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I would actually advise the exact opposite, which would be no vertical force and uh, very little pressure movement at all. So you want that pretty stable. That's I, might explains a lot of stuff. But like I said, I'm a good putter. It's just, yeah. Did you hit that six footer pretty hard? I hit the long, nearly broke a mirror. But Doug doesn't know that yet. So we're gonna leave that. Doug, well, Doug won't listen to this. Who are you kidding? <laughs> Uh, I had another question about pressure. Um, okay, I got a question for him. I'm going to put this hypothetically here. So you got golfer A. You got two golfers. Golfer A and golfer B. Golfer A is built like yourself, but those on Noah's, you know, six foot tall and skinny. And then golfer B is built like myself, who's kind of, if you think of a bulldog and a house built together, that's kind of what I look like. Okay, I'm not six feet tall. Five. You're taller than the average female. You're tall. Five. Eight. Seven. Seven. Okay, so you're tall and skinny, so you got, in theory, you should have better mobility than you do. And in theory, I shouldn't have as good a hip mobility as, I don't have very good hip mobility. So, would you say for someone who is kind of tall and twiggy can create more, I don't know, trash air, but they can spin more? And then someone who's fatter or wider should have their pressure more on one side, have it more... I guess their trace would be bigger because it's going to be more lateral when they swing versus rotation. Does that make sense? I think it just depends on the golfer. So, I mean, think about the let's two of hip, us. So let's go hip mobility here. Then hip mobility, good versus bad. Oh, okay. Okay, so bad hip mobility. They're not going to probably be able to rotate so much. So they'd be more... They're probably going to be more lateral. What, Likely. I mean... Does that make a bigger trace? body track I've never thought of that before I mean it might create more it just depends on how they're moving but it could create more displacement which would be 
I think what you're referring to is like a bigger tree. So yeah, it should so like be like a longer, longer, yeah. longer left to right or side to side. Um, like if they got out, you know, if they're really, really sliding or really swaying, that yeah. would create that longer or a lot more displacement laterally. Yeah. Um, so the person who's, who moves really well, will you see kind of center pressures, the trace would be shorter laterally because it's going to be more turned right heel, left toe, and then for a right-handed golfer, and turn left, right toe, left heel because it's, it's kind of the GG swing tips, kind of swing. It's all very rotary versus the guy who's a little bigger or girl who's a little bigger, less mobility is more lateral because they can't turn. Yeah, I think generally, so for that less mobile person, I mean, somebody who's not mobile doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to sway or slide, but that is... I'm saying, should they like, sway or slide? Cause should they? If you can't internally and externally rotate your hips, like Sergio Garcia does not very... I remember watching his thing, TPI did it, they talked about how he actually sways off the golf ball, right. and his, I guess his femur, he's in technical words with the biomechanist here, sways off the golf ball and kind of moves forward because he doesn't turn his hips as well, and his knees kind of slide. Mm. So I'm using him as an example, one of the best ball strikers on the planet. Yeah does that and then you take a Johnny Ruiz who's the poster boy for Gigi who must have mobile hips and just spins yeah so like the less mobile guy what would you try you would use prescribed without fixing their hips would you get them to move laterally more oh uh that would be within likely reason. a slew yeah like kind of a, a workaround to their hip mobility I mean you work with a lot of you are doing the TPI screen on people Yes, I do this. And, and you try to work around physical limitations. Yes, my solution most of the time for physical limitations is to send them to someone, someone who can fix them, because it's, we'll get into this is another podcast here, uh, but um, yeah, fixing physical limitations, I don't, I can't fix them, that's what my job is. I can work around them, but I usually send people off to get try and get fixed or make it less bad. Yes, yeah. yeah. that's the ideal way. Yeah. Because, but not everybody wants to put in the time and the effort to try yes. to fix themselves. So and it comes with selling them on the benefits. Yeah. So we got, um, let's, we talked about pressure. So how about the rest of the 3D? Can you explain a little bit about the average golfer? Can you explain them what kinematic sequence is? Yeah, it's, um, it's basically the order of events um, that oftentimes when we say kinematic sequence, we're talking about the downswing. So it would be the sequence of your body parts, how they rotate. So I, the ideal kinematic sequence from your downswing, I'm saying like ideal, this doesn't happen all the time in the best players, but would be to start with basically from the ground up. So starting with your hips, so your hips start rotating, then your thorax, then shoulders, uh, arms. Cage for people a little slower like myself. Thorax is ribcage, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, hips, chest, arms, club. Correct. Kind of in that order. So, you're always wanting to build up the energy as you go. So, kind of, if you think about, um, well, a colleague of mine always uses the analogy of spinning on ice with the in a, in a line. This doesn't really apply to the people in Malaysia, so we might have to find another analogy. 
now. Synchronized swimmers do the same thing, but yeah. It's the, <laughs> but if you're whipping something, you whip a the, towel is my yeah, analogy. Yeah, the uh, the end of the towel is traveling the fastest, so you kind of you got to build it up from the the center. <laughs> That's a funny story, but I can't remember how we did it. But as Liam taught me, it's proximal to distal, right? So the closer you are, it's proximal, and the farther the club is, distal. So the faster one goes, if everything moves correctly, it will go faster at the end. But I guess if a person can't move, it's not going to go faster at the end as well. True. But, yeah, I mean, usually, well, you never see a club... I'm not going to say you never do, well, but it's not like the club is always going to go the fastest. You're never going to get hips that spin out really, really fast and the club is going. No, but you'll slow, see, but. I'm sure you've seen it too. The hips go and then the yeah. arm comes off the body fast. Yeah. So right arm comes off the body and then torso's out of whack. But club's always fastest because it's yeah. usually, I've actually seen, have you ever seen a golf club that actually slows down before impact? Like, considerably slows down before impact? Hmm. Uh, not, like, considerably on... Like, stops almost at zero before no. impact? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I got a story. One of my young juniors from the past, we were at Bondhead, and I had her set up in her mind swing system. <laughs> and she made a swing. I've never seen this happen before. I got two stories, actually. One is she made a swing and hit it so far behind the ball, the club stopped and then jumped and then got over the golf ball, and she finished her swing. Then so the ball didn't actually move. It tr kind of dribbled. So when you look at the kinematic sequence graph, so for those who don't know, it goes peak, peak, peak. So this thing peaked about, looks like milliseconds before impact, drops straight down and speeds back up. Because when she hit the ground, the club stopped and it took it as impact and then it continued through. <laughs> and have you ever seen, you've seen a kinematic sequence graph, obviously. Have you ever seen it complete, yeah. instead of being jagged for past impact, have you ever seen it be completely smooth? Mm. You usually see jagged. You know why it would be smooth? I'm the only person that I know has actually achieved this. You personally achieved this? Yes. How did you do it? I swung it. We were trying to do a, um, we are trying to test, like, swing faults on my swing. And I tried to test flat shoulder plane. I swung and missed the golf ball, but I swung fast enough that it actually picked up the sensor. And it thought it made contact with something. So it went peaked, and then it slowly went, it went perfectly smooth down because I never touched the golf ball. Huh. It's, it was... It's so a one and done, but that's kind of cool. It's my claim to fame with them. That's why they don't return my phone calls either. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. <clears throat> okay, that's, we got 26 minutes here. So last question about 3D biomechanics is um, kinematic sequence and putting. So I tend, in my putting stroke, after my vertical forces, I tend my right arm comes off my body too much when I putt. So my peaks move my right arms faster than it is with my hips. So my hips in uh, my putting strokes are roughly around 430 degrees per second. Right arm gets up over 1,000, and the thorax stays kind of around the 200. So can you help me here? Of Those are like uh, kind of Rory hips, but yeah, in putting. That's ridiculously fast. I think about it. It's supposed to be four to 600, not 1,000. <laughs> so uh, we've already figured out your putts go really, really far. Um, but I always hit the hole, so. But you you should probably tone that down. Okay, good. No. Like, try to get your hips down. Um, zero would be great, but that's a long way for you to go. So I basically want to have very little movement here, so I shouldn't be trying to jump and spin when I hit a putt. That's true. Yeah. Gotcha. Good to know. Um, anything else you want to add? That, yeah. Anything you can add 
to the listener about what they should know about yourself? Uh, just trying to uh, kind of bring the science to the average golfer or, um, you know, make it more applicable. And so using scientific methods as best you can and uh, bringing them to the course and outside of the lab, which you've been a, a pretty good advocate of that for a while. So. Advocate of taking this, the science and making it better for people? Of bringing it, kind of bringing the science to the people. Yes, I agree. Bringing the average, I always use the analogy, and it's gonna, for those who have never seen the movie Dodgeball, I always like to think of using the movie Dodgeball. Yes. So there's the Scorpions, which is Vince Vaughn's team, which is essentially, in my opinion, in my world here, is the, um, like the high level what you studied in college, like what your biomechanics lab was in college is the Scorpions. Okay. And I've always tried to bring it to the the average, the Ben Sillers team, the average Jones, and take what they know and make it for the average guy that I'm, I've had, I'm trying to think of the highest handicap I ever had in a my swings suit. We had some really high level golf, like low level golfers, I guess, in the same setup, and I'm sure you have to on a body track, and mine was in my swing guys that are 40 handicaps and then had a tour level player in at the same time mm-hmm. just but you keep it the same you, the message is delivered differently but it's the same information making people better in the same way so I think we're on the same page there uh, anything else to add? I gotta think of one last question here no I think it's I think it's kind of interesting uh, because my background started as academics um, and kind of really heavily into the research and not really necessarily looking at it from the perspective of a golf professional more on you just like Sasha? Uh, yeah it was kind of more in the realm of Sasha so we were at the same conferences and um, whatnot, and kind of talking the scientific language and now I'm on the other side of the, the board so it's do you like it better? it's great hi <laughs> oh, wait, one of my old members came, and i got to pause this for a second. I had no idea how it worked. Hi. Okay, we're back here. I had a moment there when my old members from my old job came in. So, Casey, we're going to finish this off with, um, I don't really know how to finish this off with guests. So, I want you to give up me your... Uh, so, you have, like, a motto or something you know you can say? Not in this one, because it's your turn. Um, <laughs> I want you to give me your dream big, mind side and over-deliver on that dream big here. So I put that in Brett McCabe and Jason Glass all at the same time, but what is, like, your dream big, like, the one that makes you nervous kind of dream for the golf, your golf industry? Mm. Uh, I would like to have my own academy uh, that has a major scientific component where I can do some research and do a lot of coaching and some cool stuff in there, so... That's going to take a little bit of capital, but uh, I'm going to get there someday. At a golf course? Are you going to do it at, like, what's, like a, a lab or like... Uh, no, like, let's say at, at a golf facility. you got to be able to hit balls inside. Make it real. So I've been in a lab for enough years that I like to see the sun. Little known fact, Casey was a test tube baby is what she's trying to say. <laughs> I never understood I that concept. I, I mean, test tube's this big around and the kid gets bigger. Wouldn't it just break the test tube, technically? 
right? You know, I'm a biomechanist. I don't, I don't know that stuff. I, I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna look into that. So we're signing off. Uh, give us a going away line here, Casey. Hit it long and straight. <laughs> Just like your presser trace, right? <laughs> <laughs>